Welcome back to episode 15 of the Mindsets podcast. Today I'm joined by Emily Merry, who's going to take over and do a bit of an introduction to herself. Yes. Hello, uh, I'm Emily. I am 26 years old from Guildford in Surrey. Um, I work for Waitrose, very recently left my position in branch so that my, I literally had my last day two days ago and I start my new role at head office tomorrow. Um, I have my own baking business, so I make wedding cakes, cupcakes, birthday cakes. Um, so yeah, quite random. And I'm basically been very kindly invited onto the Mindsets podcast today by Angus to talk about all things eating disorder recovery, body dysmorphia, and how that basically affected my uh, relationship with fitness throughout that time of my life. Cool. So it's worth mentioning that um, Emily isn't a complete stranger. No. Um, we actually knew each other from back in primary school. Yeah. So near Guildford, um, which I've got my own opinions about Guildford as a yeah. place. I think it's quite bland <laughs> and, you know, the night out choices are a bit bad. Yeah. Ple- pleased to hear they've changed. So anyone that is it's aware pubs. of Casino, that's closed. So apparently pubs is the place. Pub- I'm it's just for. like pubs and bars and stuff. That's nice. But yeah, I feel like it's gone uphill now that Casino is gone. Okay, cool. So I might, <laughs> I might actually reclaim that I'm from near enough Guildford yeah. rather than pretending I'm not. Um, but we went to a primary school just outside of Guildford called the Raleigh School. Um, and we were on different sides of the school, so we didn't know each other too well. But like, yeah. you know what it's like, there's only 60 kids in a year at that school. Like, yeah. how, how far apart can you get? Um, but then secondary school, pretty much everyone... I knew from the Raleigh mainly went to the secondary school I did mm-hmm. and then you didn't you yeah. went somewhere else where did you go I went to Guildford County School uh purely because my sister did so she's two years older than me so that's why I followed along in her footsteps very weird going to a secondary school where you don't know anyone but yeah good test of character that I was gonna say as a young kid going into a school where you don't have a well-established friendship group yeah quick adjustment difficult it was hard, but luckily enough, my older sister had a best mate whose younger sister was also starting in the same year as me. And I've literally been best friends with her ever since. So I feel like once you find that one person... You kind of pay your way through and, and mm, go through it together. Yeah. So it was a bit of an adjustment, but I feel that everything happens for a reason. So Did you find that your sort of hobbies and interests changed as a result of not having to do what old friends were doing? Nothing like sticks out in my mind, but I know that at primary school, I was very like into athletics, mm-hmm. like really into it. Cause we used to do, um, what was that competition? District sports. District sports. Yeah. And I used selected. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really into it. I was massively into running and I just didn't really carry on with that in secondary school. Just decided to stop. Well, just wasn't interested in Yeah, I wasn't interested in it. Sport. No. Fair enough. Just no no uh, extracurricular sport or anything no, like that either? No, I didn't. No. Okay. What, what took you away from it? I, do you know what? I think it was definitely a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. I just never thought I was very good at like a lot of team sports. I feel like athletics is obviously like... Quite solo. Yeah. And yeah, just... I think the confidence to put myself back into that position of like running in front of loads of people, I just couldn't, I don't know why, but I just couldn't put myself in that position again. And did that stop instantly or was it tailed off and then it picked up again later on? Or was it just like the whole of secondary school? You're like, "Mm, I'm done. Yeah, I'd say the whole of secondary school. Okay. I didn't really get back into fitness. It wasn't until after the secondary school. So fitness is a known way of like 
kind of giving some structure to life yeah. and controlling all sorts of things. Mm. Teenagehood is a known way of throwing everything off balance yeah. and like learning who you are as a person yeah. and changes mentally, physically, everything like that. I, in my past, relied on like playing sport as like the only thing that could get away from other situations and that sort of thing. That's something that I've become more aware of now looking back. Mm. Um, what was your outlet? I think I had a really good group of friends at school. Uh, I was very social, but looking back on it now, I think having some kind of commitment to sport probably would have meant that some of the things I ended up going through might not have happened. Right. Because you're saying obviously add structure to your life. I think not having structure from something that I had the confidence to do alone, like running, meant that I focused on like more negative aspects of life, which I will probably like lead on to later yeah, to so talk about. Negative aspects of life, what do you... So like uh, kind of like a self-control food related. I think when you're into athletics or you're into some kind of sport, you have to be quite regimented with it and it's like a commitment. Um, and I think I lost a lot of that and channeled it into the wrong things. So we go on to like restrictive. Yeah. So dieting. did you did you did restrictive dieting and stuff like that come as a result of you know, like I said, when you're going through your teenage years, you start to become a bit more self aware. Mm. Uh, did it come as as a personal body image, or was it through just like you said, you weren't doing sport anymore, and then you kind of lost the need to care about what you're eating? I think a mixture of both. Sure. I, if I look back, I definitely wish I got more involved in like team sport. I feel like there's something around being part of a team and having that common interest. You've got a massive support network of people. And like I said, a really good group of friends, but everything that happened with me, I didn't tell anyone because it was just like a pure embarrassment thing. Um, so yeah, does that really answer that? Yeah, I mean, what I'm interested in is, did it all come from, was there one event which kickstarted a change in the way you thought? Or was it like discovery of uh, a different relationship with food and, and your personal image? There's a couple of things that happened when I was at secondary school that really affected the way I saw myself. Mm -hmm. Really like one thing to do with um, like a betrayal, betrayal of friends um, and another uh, around a boy unfortunately. Um, and I think that really, really affected my self-worth and how I saw myself. And I'll always remember, and I don't know why it stuck in my head so much. We were all at a friend's house and I used to eat like quite a lot of rubbish food. And um, one of the girls was like, oh, let's order in a load of pizza. And I was like, well, I've been eating so much rubbish lately. Like I really shouldn't. And she was like, oh, it's okay. Like you can just throw it up later. And I don't know why it just like stuck in my head for weeks afterwards. And then you start getting like social media involved and you see all these photos of girls with like literally like, iron board stomachs and like toned and so like fit. And you're like, right, this is something I can control. So did you make the assumption that they, they must be doing that and that this is just... It sounds like that was a thing that in your head wasn't even a conceivable option mm. before hearing that. And yeah. It seems to be this thing that everyone knew about that you didn't. Is that yeah. what's going on? And I always remember, like, 
you know when you used to go out with your friends and maybe you drink a bit too much and then you'd be sick but you'd always wake up in the morning and your stomach would be like flat because you'd... oh right i see you got everything out and i so. started like thinking that's what i need to do i see to get that to control it and then it just became a habit in daily life daily life right all the time and that's where it basically started um okay. from through yeah being bulimic so so it was you went down bulimia and correct me if i'm wrong because there's obviously there's many many different eating disorders bulimia is where you still eat mm -hmm. but then you basically just try and get that back out of your system so that yeah. there was a net zero impact mm -hmm. and then you've got anorexia which is some of the same characteristics is bulimia however you're trying not to eat at the same time yeah, it's very restrictive very very, very restrictive. controlled and obsessive mm -hmm. um but with bulimia um, comes like binge eating so i would just binge because i'd starve myself all day and then i'd be like i'm so hungry so then i'd binge and then basically and be sick interesting when when it came to binging because you knew you i assume you knew you were going to be sick did mm -hmm. you just choose all your favorite things or was it just like just anything 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 yeah okay and and would you is it's difficult because i can appreciate this isn't something that you hear about from a friend and then you're just straight into being full-on bulimic and that mm -hmm. sort of thing it's a you probably gradually oh. got into it yeah months you live at home as well mm -hmm. when you're when you're going through this so how do you how do you navigate that scenario when you're at home yeah so um while it was going on i was at school as well so at school it was a lot easier but at home i was so bad like talking about it now but it would literally be things like i'd play music off my phone while i was in the bathroom i'd run the taps so no one would hear me i'd say i was going for a shower or like washing my hair so my parents would expect me to be in the bathroom for like longer and that's yeah basically how i'd go about like getting away with it and it was only uh i think it was probably about after a year and a half of doing this every day multiple times a day my mum caught me in the bathroom and she just went absolutely ballistic at me but she was so angry but i know it was just out of a place of concern and i just remember her being like i'm gonna go hardball on you now like i'm watching you and my relationship with her was really affected by this for months because i was like i can't you're so mad at me i feel like i can't talk to you about it but i know now that it was just out of a place of love and worry but at the time i was just like well that's basically where the restrictive e eating started because i was like well if i can't get away with i see sick, so yeah i just need to start restricting because one one question i have on before before your mum knew mm -hmm. and you were develop, developing these habits and if you like ways to get around being caught mm. was there an element to it that was almost and this is this is a very different way of looking at it somewhat addictive to find new ways to cover things up or was oh, it quite yeah. satisfying yeah getting away with it yeah and then that was all slipped out pretty much right okay and, and it's, it sounds so like dark and twisted mm. but it's it's probably like the perfect way to describe it it's literally like an addiction and when you can get away with doing something that you know at the time is horrible to go through but afterwards i'd like look at myself i'd i was obsessed with like seeing how small my stomach looked i'd be like right that i've done the right thing and then you slips into restrictive eating because it was mm -hmm. like oh well you, okay so you caught me and you can 
you can be hot on it all you like but yeah. i can still do one more thing yeah. which you can't control yeah interesting so as well for a little bit of context for those listening i have seen the direct impact of eating disorders on on my family mm-hmm. um and it does put massive stress on relationships within the family and and um like you said that was a massive impact on your relationship between you and your mum and it's very understandable because you obviously have this mentality where you are trying to get away with it and it is a bit addictive to do so but then your family is also going to have the utmost concern because they not being in your shoes are probably looking at long-term impacts and that Mm. sort of thing and at the time i imagine are you thinking about long-term what's going on or you just think about day-to-day just day-to-day and now i'm out of it i literally look back and think what the hell was i doing i feel like i wasted so many years of my life being so overly obsessed and doing so much damage to my body that i'm just like you can't help but feel like shame over it but also at the same time i'm like i've got to remember that i managed to pull myself out of that situation so i need to try and see that I've learned stuff from it. It wasn't just a waste of my time. Like I have learned a lot from it. And if I had to go through it again and and have the relationship I have with food now and with fitness now, I would. Because I am i don't eat anything now and think, well, I'm just, I eat what I want. And I never ever, when I was younger, thought I'd ever get that again. I wouldn't go out for like dinners with my family. I wouldn't go out for dinners with my friends. I would just absolutely avoid it. So missed out on a lot of social stuff um, and a lot of like birthday celebrations. I was just too, I couldn't do it. Right. And do you think at the time, again, it just didn't matter to you because you were on the, on the daily task list was more get away with it. Yeah. Um, learn new ways to get away with it and have even more of a negative impact on you, which in a way weirdly was a positive impact on you mentally. Yeah. Um, but then like, yeah, big picture, you were missing out on quite a lot, but you probably didn't know what you were missing out on as yeah. well. So you've said you got discovered, you then changed and it became a bit more restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything actually interestingly you just decided you absolutely were not going to eat anymore or like you weren't interested in? I, my diet consisted of water minimal amounts because I didn't want to like hold any water weight um I would eat egg whites lettuce this is so gross by the way I think about this now I'm like (laughs) yeah egg whites lettuce cucumber just really like bland boring things I would not eat pasta rice bread nothing that could like make me bloat I would weigh everything out like, you know, my fitness pal, mm. I was addicted to that app, honestly. You needed to know every calorific. Everything. Yeah, I yeah. bought, I'm, I don't know why I'm laughing because it's not funny, but I just think I was such an idiot. I bought a set of scales and I weighed out everything, mm. literally. I've seen that same thing happening. And I just, I was obsessed with it. And if I went out somewhere like, or if I bought something from work, like apple slices, and you know, you can like scan the barcode. If it didn't work, I would literally sit with the packet and like type it in everything individually, like carbohydrates, sugar, like all of that. And I would sit there and type it in because I had to know exactly how many calories I was having, how much 
like fat was in my diet because I wanted it to be minimal fat, minimal carb. It was just obsessive. And did you ignore the flavor of things? Like, did you ever crave stuff still? Um, at the start, from going to, from going from like the binging element to the restrictive element, yeah, because I was so used to just having everything. And then it was just, then I just got used to not having everything. So then how how did you start taking steps to reverse what you'd done? Um, therapy really helped. I basically was admitted to the eating disorder unit at Farnham Hospital. Um, so I would go there weekly and I had a therapist. I didn't like about three of them. So I went through quite a few and I just couldn't connect with any of them. And then I met this one lady called Hillary and she absolutely changed my perspective on so much stuff. She was incredible. Honestly, some of the exercises she'd get me to do was so thought provoking to the point where I will still think about them now. Can you give an example? Yeah, so um, one of my biggest issues was with my stomach. And I'll always remember one day she bought a really long bit of string. I'm sorry, I don't want to knock that. Probably about this long. And she was like, right, I want you to put this out on the floor of how big you think your stomach is and pinch it where it meets. So I was like, all right, I did that. And then she was like, right, stand in the middle of it and pull it up to over your stomach. And it was literally out here. So the way I saw my stomach and how big it was, was just so not reality. And she was like, does that not just tell you that what you're seeing when you look at yourself in the mirror is just not true. And so we went down the whole like body dysmorphia route. Uh, and it still sometimes can affect me now in the sense where I'll look at myself and be like, oh God, I need to sort that out. Because it was so, what's the word? Self-critical over everything. But I will just think about the string thing and I'm like, it's not, it's not real. It's not real. And not real. then- from from having those therapy sessions, mm. so uh, again the the impact that it had on my family, my um, the person I I know actually got admitted to a hospital, um, and they basically lived there. Uh, they were watched with their eating, mm. and they had to basically just constantly be watched. Mm. Um, were you in a similar situation, or did you have your family support you through kind of changing your eating habits as well? Yeah, my family were amazing support, and we did talk about the idea of me having to stay in a unit, but I just didn't want that. I didn't think I needed that. And I'm glad I didn't. I absolutely probably really does work for some people, but for me, I just, I didn't want to be away from my mum and dad. And the idea of like sleeping in a place where I don't know anyone and just being watched all the time, the pressure, I was like, I just can't do it. When I look back, it's such a blur of, like my recovery because I'll remember really significant things like the first time I had a Domino's after kind of going through everything and it was like the flavor and everything just tasted like amazing and I was like why was I doing this but then about half an hour later I was like I just had this thought like I need to be sick like I can't so there's times along the way where I definitely slipped up or something happened but it took me years to get out of it literally years did you find that gradually bits of life were coming back? So you've obviously spoken about flavor was coming back, yeah. which is awesome. But then because you felt like now that you missed out on so much, did you 
find that you were able to go out with your family and start to rediscover that side of things as well and mm. was it that almost in a similar way to the before avoiding things was becoming a bit more addictive was it yeah. getting your life back started to become a little bit addictive a little bit but there were times where and again this will always stick out in my memory i would have to look up the menu of somewhere before i went and it would have to be somewhere that had the calorie count on the menu because you know there's restaurants that do that well they've changed now it's a law that they mm. have to but like before but that, at the time that was there wasn't rare. many places that did it and um we went to, i think it was prezzo when they had a prezzo in guildford and um we went and i had an option and then a backup option and i turned up and i ordered and they were like really sorry we don't have that and then i was like okay well, can i have this and, and they didn't have that and i just burst into tears at the table because I was like, I can't control what's happening. I don't know what to do. And I think I just ended up having like a side salad as my main. Because I just, I freaked out. And I remember my dad being really annoyed at them. And I was like, but it's not their fault. But he was like, but I just want you to enjoy life again. So there were so many times like that where things would happen. But it's just a time thing. The how, more... And, and time wise, how so how long was your sort of dive into your eating disorders and how long did it take to recover so the worst of it was when i was around 16 17 that's when i lost the most weight because i was about 62 kilos like healthy weight and then i went down to 42 so i lost 20 kilos and um that was probably the worst bit and then i'd say it took about until i was around 22 um where i was like i'm i'm good I'm on the other now. side yeah more in, you're actually in control yeah um and do you i mean again from the personal experience there was uh some sort of therapy attempt which went one particular way but it was trying to um not feel blame for what happened in the past with this person in, in my family they basically had an alter ego um so they gave it a name they said that this alter ego is the person that wants you to be skinny. This is the person that wants you to do harm to yourself and that sort of thing in this way. Um, but you don't, you know, you 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 want to be healthy. Let's let's get you back in control was mm -hmm. the kind of way. And I think it was a bit of a, a strange way of approaching it. It might work for some people. Do you feel like it was an alter ego that took control or do you feel like it was just your way of thinking was I changed? think personally for me, just a way of thinking. I think as... I don't want to say as women, because it definitely affects men as well. But statistically, if you look at it, women are, I think it's something ridiculous, like 80% of women in the UK, 80% um, of the statistic of people who have eating disorders in the UK are women. It's like one, I think it's like 1.25 million people are affected by eating disorders. Um, and I think we place so much pressure on ourselves to look a certain way or social media has such an effect on this that i was just so obsessed with that i just yeah okay interesting and one of the things that um is pretty commonplace everyone comes out at this time of year we've just had january people yeah. have done dry january people yeah. have done their new year's resolutions to get in the gym that sort of thing mm. at what point in your sort of journey did the gym come into your life so i was how old was i it was when it was probably around yeah 21 22 when i started going to the gym and it was actually my boyfriend ryan who you met a few weeks ago who basically got me to start going and 
I was so scared, especially of like the weight section. I was like, I'm not doing that. I was just such like a cardio. I'm just going to do that because like when I was at school, athletics and running, that was my thing. So I was like, I'm just going to be like a cardio person in the gym. And then I started weight training and they've got a little room in the gym that I go to that felt a little bit like safer away from like the weights bit. And it had like the lower weights, like the one to 10 kg. And just over time, and this is where you see like the positive side of social media, where you've got the fitness influencers who you had on not so long ago, who post the really helpful videos. I don't want to go up to like random people in the gym and be like, oh, show me how to do this. But those videos really helped me start getting into weight training. And that's where, because I always wanted to be strong. And when I was really underweight, I was so weak. I was honestly like skin and bone. And I saw some photos of me the other day I was just absolutely mortified that I like looked the way I did, just like so gaunt and like the gap between my legs was just, it was awful. So getting that strength back and actually seeing myself like pick up these weights, I'm like, that's actually unreal. Like I'm so happy that I have the strength to do that now because 16, 17 year old me wouldn't have been able to pick up that amount of weight do you know what i mean yeah it starts to give you some some confidence and, yeah um yeah you can you it's self-reflection again so mm. you, you're starting to self-reflect in like a positive way yeah. rather than a negative way which is really cool and how are you training now what's your the way that you train or approach fitness today so i try and aim to do like four sessions a week on average um i split my day so i'll do like a glutes and hamstrings day i'll have a quads day and then I do try to do a bit more upper body now. I was definitely just so like legs focused, but I'll ha uh, do back and biceps, shoulders. I'm by no means one of like, you know, the super strong girls in there. I have seen some girls in that gym that have such small frames, but they can pick up some unreal amount of weight. And that's what I inspire, like that inspires me. I'm like, that's what I want to be able to do. So yeah. I think that answers your question. And well, yeah, I mean, the next thing is tied into the way that you train. Mm -hmm. Do you now use uh, food as fuel for your yeah. training as well? So how, how what's your take on that? I just honestly eat when I'm hungry. And this is how I always wanted it to be. I eat when I'm hungry and I eat and I'm hungry quite a lot. So <laughs> I just eat whatever. Little and often and yeah. just actually keeping yourself topped up. Yeah, I do. I know we were speaking about this before about, ordering lots of food in which is my probably my bad habit but when I when I have my better habits it is very much a lot of meal prep and it would always be bringing food into work firstly to save money but secondly that I'm still retaining that bit of control over my diet I know what I've put into that food I know what I've cooked with and I think as well with the gym that's where I'm also channeling my self-control making myself get up and go whereas before I was controlling myself by not eating and literally going for walks like four times a day to burn off anything I had eaten. So watching that change of my relationship with both food and fitness is so satisfying just to see like that there was a healthy way to do life. Yeah, one one um, difficulty with training and, and the gym is obviously progress is quite slow. Mm -hmm. um, and for someone that has previously had so much control over certain things in their life, do you um, 
have like this really nice respect for how long some things can take or do you find sometimes that you get irritated because you don't have the control over getting to that goal quickly um i wouldn't say i get irritated because one thing i did when i started going to the gym post traveling i wrote down all the weight so I've got, like on my notes on my phone all the exercises that i do most weeks and then the weights i'm starting from from coming back from traveling which was five months ago six months ago something like that so whenever i'm feeling demotivated i'll scroll right back up to the top of my notes and see what weight i started on when i came back and i'm like it's fine I'm so okay. you're just aiming for progressive overload yeah. and the growth and getting there so with traveling then mm. i went traveling at the same time and actually this yeah. is how um emily and i got back in contact with each other so it's a bit weird i feel yeah. really weird having done what i did but i'm so glad i did yeah I went off traveling last year to Asia. Those guys that have listened to podcast episode three will know that that was record, uh, episode four was recorded while I was out of traveling. Um, but I had a great time. I was traveling for like five months. But before I went away, I noticed that you and Ryan, your boyfriend had, had gone out to um, Thailand and you're out there over Christmas and that sort of thing. And I hadn't spoken to you since year six of primary school. Yeah. And I messaged you and I just said, hey, any chance you've got any good advice and that sort of thing. And completely unexpectedly, you gave me so much information. And from there, you were like one or two countries ahead of us all the time. So I could ask you for loads of advice. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I think is really interesting is a lot of that advice was good places to eat yeah. as well. Um, so having been someone that's had previous eating disorders and has now got into training, mm -hmm. one of the things that slips up massively when you're traveling, purely because you're tired you, don't, you aren't in a place long enough to find a gym, let alone have like a gym membership or mm. a routine. Um, how did you tackle the lack of routine and yeah, crazy different amounts of food and different styles of food? Yeah. yeah. How did you um, find that? I loved it. I literally loved it. I feel like if I was at home and that had happened, I just, I wouldn't have coped. But because you're so wrapped up in like, you're spending three, four days in one place and then you're constantly packing, constantly moving. Just being so much more like forgiving with myself was such a freeing experience. No one cares as well. Literally no one cares. And I think I learned just to not care from that trip. I think it did me absolute wonders. Um, at times I was like, I really feel like a gym session. And you know the state of some of those gyms oh, it's, uh, were horrendous. Yeah, like, yeah. The equipment looked like it was from like the 80s and was everything's like falling off it. Or there's like no air con and you just oh, can't, yeah. you can't like New motivate yourself. Sweat production, yeah, yeah. But then you just can't feel like you can train to your best because you're just like, I just couldn't be bothered. But I was happy that I couldn't be bothered. because so I was like, this is actually so nice. And food wise... I just yeah i loved it trying new stuff all the time some be a bit weird i think i think i posted about some mcdonald's doing like chicken noodle porridge i think you replied to it and i was like this is just the weirdest thing i've ever seen and i think i ate beetles and all sorts of stuff but i was just like why not i'm here uh, for, for me and i feel like you'll probably agree when you go to a culture that's like that and this is one of the beauties of traveling you experience very very different culture but it took me a few weeks to really realize that you go from being in this country and for someone that now works an office job um, five days a week 
I meal prep. I tend to have the same sort of meals every week. Mm. I tend to do the same gym routine every week. Most people that I speak to at work that are also relatively active have a very similar schedule. It's almost, for us, it would be a little bit strange if one of them was like, oh, I just didn't feel like it this week. Yeah. You know, it's it's in Western culture, the gym is such a standard thing to do. Having the same meals every week is a standard thing to do. Mm. But when you get out there, the accessibility of food being so diverse, also so cheap, so yeah. it's so easy to do for, for us as well. Um, but then out there, the culture doesn't rely on the gym or anything mm. like that. So you can, like, it's very normal to just not even think about it. Yeah. And then, yes, it does come around where for whatever reason we feel the need or the urge to go to the gym, you can do. Like you said, you still don't even have to have a crazy session because mm. arguably I don't really want to move too much because I will be dripping in sweat. I just yeah. want to go in, move something heavier around reconfirm that i can still move said heavy thing around yeah <laughs> and i haven't lost that um and then go off and have like a massive portion of pad thai or something yeah. like that um i think for me it was really relieving it took like a weight of stress which i didn't appreciate i was giving myself in oh. having to stick to my routine and kind of stepping off it but realizing that do you know what life doesn't fall apart mm. Like, yeah, things, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I really wish I was doing this and that. But life goes on and you actually, by giving yourself more time back and giving yourself a chance to experience more things, mm -hmm. suddenly when you do get to go to the gym, it's more valuable. Yeah. Rather than just being a place, oh, I have to go. If I don't go, I won't do this. If mm -hmm. I, I won't look a certain way. Whereas, yeah, you, you start seeing a different side of the world. Oh, 100%. And I think that while we were there, why would I want to spend all my time in a gym when I'm literally in some of the most beautiful places on earth and I can go and, I don't know, get on the bike and go see some waterfall or go to the beach? Because we we did try and stay quite active, like lots of hiking and lots of swimming and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, why? I can pick this back up when I'm home. And even just saying that to myself, I was like, shit, this is actually really good that I'm not like, I need to do this now. I need to fix this now because it wasn't a situation of fixing anything. It was just like, this is my time in life to just enjoy it and do whatever I want. And if I fancy going to the gym, I can. But if I don't, then there were so many times where Ryan went to the gym and I was like, oh, I'm not going. Just go to the beach. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> I think that's the other thing as well is the food uh, portions, especially for me. Like I know that typically I can eat a lot. Mm. And when I'd go out there, the portion size would come and it would obviously be a lot smaller because- yeah. The average person, believe it or not, is not tall or does not weigh like a hundred ish kilos. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I was I was actually losing a dramatic amount of weight. Mm. And I was aware of it. And I at times I'd look at myself and be like, oh shit. Mm. Like I have messed up a little bit here. Um, but again, then it was the same thing. It's like, there's nothing I can do about it now. Mm. I'd rather enjoy this time. So when I go back and I'm in the gym, I can look back on the happy memories of doing fun stuff rather than make a half assed attempt at chasing it now getting back into some sweaty pure gym and being like, do you know what? I actually wish I had gone to a waterfall or gone to yeah. the beach. Um, but then coming back and going into a pure gym wasn't actually that fun. How did you ease back into things? Um, how long did it take me? I think I renewed my membership at the gym after like a couple of weeks and that classic like gym fear came in. And I went with Ryan a couple of times just to like ease myself back into it. But 
while I was away, they actually redid my gym. So they had a whole like bottom floor redone. And that space is so good. It, you do find that most of the girls tend to go down there because there's like hip thrust stations everywhere. There's a massive floor space. There are some like heavyweights down there. So I spent, I still spend a lot of my time down there. But it took, yeah, a couple of weeks, I'd say it took me to like get back into it. But I think I've just absolutely like renewed my love for it. And it's my routine. I will fit it in as many times as I can in the week because I don't feel like it's an unhealthy addiction for me. I feel like I balance it out really well now. That's good. So, yeah. So one of the uh, the newer sections for the year is listener questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some lovely people message in. Um, guys, if you're listening to this and you didn't know that was a thing, then get to know. If you head over to the Instagram page, um, at mindsets underscore podcast, uh, when I've got episodes upcoming, I'll put up a little bit of a profile overview of who could be coming on. Uh, and then you guys can go ahead and ask questions. So question number one today has come from Alina. Alina wants to know what your thoughts on social media influence and changes that have made that have been made so far. Uh, what are your thoughts on those? So social media, people posting certain pictures, that sort of thing. Things are starting to change a little bit, mm. but what are your thoughts? Um... Well, yeah, because we already touched a little bit on social media. I I made the decision to unfollow everyone, be it a friend or like a celebrity and influencer that didn't make me feel good, which I know can sound quite cutthroat, but I was like, I'm the one who's having to look at this. I don't like what I'm seeing. You, It's making me like reflect on myself negatively. And I changed it. And a lot of people I follow now there's this lady, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I think it's like Danae, Danae Merce or something like that. And she posts so much like body positivity, really good uh, comparison photos about like, uh, so one photo like posed of her and then the next one like relaxed, that kind of thing, just to show like the tricks with like lighting and posing and that it's just not real. And even with things like skin and like, you know, I'd be a real thing of like, oh, I just hate my skin texture or I, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that. And girls are like, it's literally just lighting. It's literally just good lighting. It's literally not real. All the celebrity photos that are like touched up, they're not real. So I think social media can be really damaging, especially for like younger people now. But I also can think, think it can be a platform that can ignite self-love i think it just depends who you follow and how you use it okay and i think yeah that that self-love thing is something that's coming through Mm. um and i i want to start calling it project fix fitness because like fitness has been a broken industry where it was it boomed i mean it came out youtubers everything like that gymshark grew massively when it got going and gymshark have done a very good job as have other uh, companies of you know learning that not everyone has got six pack abs and there's i mean that's a bit of a confined market but for so long people pushed on that market and took advantage of these people that wanted to look a certain way without having respect for actually how achievable that is Mm. and what you know impacts it has on your life not just physically but mentally trying to achieve that yeah um and things are starting to change which is really good and i think it is yeah trying to fix fitness a little bit because It is such a positive thing to have in your life, but in the last 10 years, it has been abused. Oh, definitely. Um, 100%. And the impacts, I mean, you've seen firsthand Mm. the impacts that it can have on on younger people. Yeah. Um, I do also think as well, 
you'll get some people who pose as like influencers, like fitness influencers, who have had so much work done. There's one girl who um, had like a BBL done, but didn't tell anyone and then marketed it as she got this through doing her workouts. So was selling her workouts to people. And you just think, I have no issue by the way with like people getting work done. I think if you wanna do that and that's gonna make you happy, absolutely do it. But don't market something like incorrectly because people are firstly gonna waste their money. They're gonna get frustrated because they're not gonna see those kind of results as quickly as you're saying they're gonna. And it, that can, in itself, I think is can be quite dangerous. It is, it is effectively, I mean, it's false advertising for one, but yeah. it's, it's basically fraud. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is there's a lot that happened in the fitness industry where that was, a, that was allowed yeah. for a while because no one really expected it to actually be happening. So you could mm. get away with it. And I think people are starting to crack down on who's natural, who's not, who's spreading the right messages, that sort of thing, which is good. Yeah. And it's some sort of regulation. Mm. But I think, yeah, the damage is still being done, but there's a, definitely a heavy amount of damage done on young people that are more easily influenced. Really. Yeah, um, definitely. Cool. So there's your answer, Alina. Um, question two is for actually anonymous. Oh. Um, but they want to know, do you think there needs to be more education in school around disordered eating? I think yes and no. No, because in a weird way, I don't want it to go putting ideas into people's heads. But yes, because I think awareness is so important. I don't think it's talked about enough how detrimental it can be to young men and women and older men and women, because I know it can affect people like later in life as well. So it's a tricky one. I think if it had happened around me and I'd seen it, I'd just be looking at it as badly as it sounds. I would be looking at it as a way of like, oh, okay, I'm going to start doing that then. But for people who are trying to support people going through it, I definitely think it's something worth looking into. So I know that's a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but I can't decide there's, there's which kind of way. pros and cons. I think it would yeah. be the sort of thing that if it was brought in, would need to be very, very carefully, carefully reviewed. done, yeah. Probably put together by people who have come out on the other side. Yeah. So can, can know what you risk by, you don't want to accidentally give someone a piece of advice on how to get away with it. Yeah. You want to give awareness of maybe this is what someone could be doing that you could be aware of and, mm. you know, not do. And also no one person is the same. Like you don't know how someone is going to cope with a bit of advice. I see like a couple people around where I live who I know are going through it. You can see it, like they're stick thin. And all I want to do is go over and say, believe me when I say it's so much better on the other side you do not need to be doing this yourself but you just don't know how that person's going to react and i wish there was like some magic response like you could use for everyone that would just make the penny drop and then be like i don't need to do this but there isn't so everyone's i think got their own way of coping with it um yeah it's just sad yeah okay cool um last question then mm -hmm. jack wants to know do you ever fully recover Ooh, that's so hard. I think that personally for me, I can eat anything I want. I can exercise, but there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, maybe I couldn't, shouldn't have had that. Maybe I shouldn't have had this. 
the mental side of it and this and the like the almost like self-loathing sometimes I don't think will ever go away I think that's always going to be something that I struggle with my confidence is m- massively improved since so from a from that perspective I still think I will always be affected from it just again because of things like social media and, and that the judgmental side of society but I think there is hope some people might be like, it might take them a couple of years and they're out of it. It might take other people 40 years. But I think everyone has the ability to be all right again and to be fully recovered from it. One thing that I've never thought about is that, I guess if you've recovered from it, um, you may not appreciate one normal level of those thoughts is. Yeah, that's because true. Because I think for me, I think pretty much everyone listening to this definitely has a thing. And if we're being completely honest, maybe daily, probably at least once a week where they eat something and go probably shouldn't have done that or i didn't do the workout so i probably shouldn't be having this for Mm -hmm. dinner but i can appreciate for someone that's come from the history that you've had with food Mm. that might be you thinking oh i'm still doing it but Mm. there is a relative degree of normality in that i mean you can't be a person that thinks that eating dominoes five days a week three meals a day is going to be healthy no that's an obvious case yeah but still like if I was to sit down and have a Domino's, I'd probably find a way to justify it and that sort of thing. But even I at the time would be like, mm. should I have eaten the crusts and the dip? Or yeah. should I have just eaten the meat oh, and that sort of thing? But yeah, I think that's, um, it's difficult to know the level of normality for yourself. Yeah. And even when it comes to training as well. So, and I know, again, when Vicky did her podcast, she spoke about female menstrual cycles and how that affects your training. So when I go through that period where I'm like, I, like I've i only been once this week because I just didn't feel like I could. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I really I probably should have been more. So that di- that still affects me 100% because of how good I feel after my session. And when I don't have that kind of high, I'm a bit like, oh. Feel, yeah. You just feel a bit sluggish. But then, like you say, is that normal? Because I feel like everyone who loves training will probably feel like that when they don't go. So then what even is normal? Like, I don't think there is any normal. I think that's the thing that's really difficult. And like we already spoke about, when you go traveling, you kind of discover a new normal in a different culture. And I think it's just ultimately normal is never one thing. You have to find what's normal for you and accept that if you're going to set a tone of what is normal, deviating from that one way or another, positively or negatively, you need to watch it. Because Mm. if you redefine normal and it's actually worse for you, then you need to stop redefining normal yeah um but yeah i think you can play with it a little bit and find out what actually works Mm. um in a way that is balanced rather than not just great for you physically but terrible for you mentally and not great for you mentally but not terrible for you physically you need to find that um in those relationships but no i thought that was um that was interesting thank you for your question jack yes thank you um so talking about self-reflection and you just mentioned a few minutes ago how you can see other people going through it and you want to be able to go over and give them some advice Mm. um but you don't know how other people are going to react yeah you know yourself pretty well by now Mm -hmm. um if you were locked in a room with a younger version of yourself Mm -hmm. and you could give them three pieces of advice what would those three pieces of advice be oh i think the first one and i say this to a lot of my friends they'll be like oh she's saying this again the way i view my life now is and every decision i make i sit there and think 
okay, imagine I'm literally on my deathbed and I'm looking back on this moment. How am I going to react to this? And that's how I decide what I'm going to, you know, do, whether it be right or wrong. So if I looked and spoke to myself as a little girl, I just want to say nothing in life is serious enough to be worrying this much over. There is no, unless you kill someone, there is no, there is nothing that matters that, and no one's going to remember what you've done, what you've said or how you look. They're just going to remember how you treated them. And I think I have a picture. This is so cringe, but I have a picture of me as a little girl in my room. And, um, I do sometimes look at it and feel guilty for what I put her through. And I know it's probably not like three things, like I haven't defined the three separate things. So I do apologize. But um, yeah, I just, I feel guilty for what I put her through. So I think the first thing I would say is nothing serious and no one cares what you're doing. Uh, the second one would be, um, oh, this is so hard because I feel like that's so vague because nothing is serious. Second one would be, Family is so important and nothing is worth missing out on time with them for. So missing out on dinners out, all that kind of stuff. And I think the third one would be, don't get social media until a bit later in life. Trying to avoid it as long as possible. Yeah. Because I I literally see people, I, I have a bit pretty bad TikTok addiction at the moment. And there are girls on there who are like still at school posting like videos of them like getting ready for school and their makeup routine is like flawless their hair's like in rollers and it's just so serious and I feel like that is the time where you need to be so unserious and not care about that kind of stuff so I think 100% I'd be like don't get it until you're like I think school. and I was talking to someone else about this recently the thing that is really scary for me is social media was once a tool mm. to stay in contact with your friends and it was very normal to message people and like see each other's photos see what each other are up to really nice that kind of thing and then social media got really smart yeah social media was something that we used to use mm. i feel like social media now uses us mm. you have an algorithm that works out what you're interested in now, it doesn't necessarily care what you say you're interested in. It cares about what you spend your time doing. Yeah. Which can be two very, very different things. So you start watching uh, a type of influencer or a person who wants to share all their daily habits, that kind of thing. And you actually like the way they like their, ed their videos. You mm. like the way it's edited, that sort of thing. It grabs you. Great. You're going to watch a lot of that. Mm. You're going to start doing things like that person naturally because you're going to inherit those habits. Yeah. And all of a sudden you will keep coming back to that for dopamine and all these sorts of reasons. And you naturally probably wouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. If I asked you, oh, who's your favorite influencer? They might not even be in the top like five when you're telling me. However, when you're on your phone, actually they take up a lot of your time yeah. and you decide to you're adjust your life. To it. And I think that's the massive, massive issue, especially with dependence on social media. And we have to be dependent on it to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. um, we're not actually as in control as we think we are. No. And the problem is that when you're not in control of things like that and how you spend your free time, 
you're also not in control of how you spend the rest of your time. So yeah. if you are inheriting these other habits that you're seeing in videos, you're bringing that into your daily life. Mm. All of a sudden, what you're doing on your phone isn't just on your phone. It's now in your life. Yeah. And so that's really scary for me. Oh, 100%. And I feel like it's such a, it's just like a boredom thing as well. And that's something that I probably want to focus on more this year is not just filling up my like downtime with just like scrolling because half of it's so pointless some of it's really useful like you think about things like this and like the the positive side of it that's great but then when I'm just like endlessly scrolling in the evening afterwards I'm like why did I just waste like an hour of my life doing something that's actually really quite boring I think the other thing as well and this is um interesting is you could put out some really useful advice, mm. um, something that could change a lot of people's lives. If you ask anyone, do they want self, self-help self when they go on social media? The answer is probably not. Like, I want to go and look at nice food. I want to yeah. see nice recipes. I want to see cool things to do. Mm. So a lot of the most useful information does get avoided because it doesn't give the dopamine or attention span that a person goes onto the social media for. Yeah. And so some, like, there is an element to some of the healthier things that are on there because they don't get engagement, mm. never go anywhere. And so you just end up in this downward spiral of people getting addicted to doing things with their life that they shouldn't be because they're not being allowed to see it, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, so yeah, wake up. Take, like if this is a, a sign to you to maybe put your phone down, yeah. then, then you can do so. Um, right, There's there's also... Uh, a question one more question mm-hmm. which is from the previous guest so glenn uh was on the episode last week talking about the super bowl uh that sort of thing um his question going forward was what is one thing that you've done or something that's happened to you that you didn't want people to know about um which is a tough question i don't want you so to incriminate hard. yourself yeah, uh, yeah. so <laughs> just if this if this question suddenly jumps at the end I'm just doing it for legal reasons. <laughs> yeah. um, that's all that's going to um, Oh, God. Something I've done or something that's happened to me. I would say... When I, when I was probably at my skinniest, like really unwell, I would have comments all the time from the older people that I worked with because it was while I was at Waitrose in the branch. I'd get them all the time, but they'd say them just to me. So they'd be really like silly things like, oh, you look skinny as a rake or like something like that. Like, oh, you look really pale. Oh, your face looks gone, like stuff like that. And um, I would be so embarrassed that people even knew that I looked that way. Does that make sense? Like the fact that they'd even noticed that I was like underweight. It was a weird thing because I wanted so bad to be skinny. But when they were saying it, I was like, I I don't want like people to notice and it had such an effect on me. It's the weirdest thing, like it's so twisted. Um, and I'll always remember there was one day when I was in my recovery and it was while I was at work and I'd put weight on, I was feeling like better about myself. And one of the ladies, it was just the complete flip side of this, said to me at work, you're looking really healthy. And I was like, healthy? means I've put weight on and I hadn't been sick in this like maybe like year and a half and I just immediately went to the toilet and threw up and I never told anyone that I never told my mum and dad 
I didn't tell my boyfriend at the time, but and I was so embarrassed that I'd like let myself slip back into it. But it just goes to show that someone might think they're giving you like a good positive comment, but you just don't know how someone's gonna react. Like what we spoke about earlier, you could try and make someone feel better and try and support someone through this kind of thing. Every single person is different. Wow. So I'd probably say that would be, yeah. Firstly, thank you for sorry, sharing Sorry, mum that. and dad. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mum and dad, that that's the way you found out. Um, but that I think is a really valuable lesson. Mm. So I'm, thank you for sharing that. That's okay. Um, you get your own back though. So okay. you can ask the question for the next guest. Okay. Not knowing anything about them. What do you want to know? Uh, I think, I think it's quite a nice one. And it's quite vague, so it's going to be, should hopefully be like an easy one to answer. But I would say, my question would be, what or who is your biggest inspiration in life and why? Okay, I like that. That's That's really good. I can't wait to see who it is. They just say it's me. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, that rounds off um, a really, really cool episode. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having Um, me. And I hope that not only do the the listeners that are well registered and are here a lot of the time get something out of that, but I hope if there's any new listeners that um, feel they've learned something or it's kind of opened your eyes on a, a different uh, opinion on things, um, that's the purpose. That's 100%. the point. So, I said to you before, didn't I? I was like, so nervous to talk about this, but if it literally helps just one person to know that whatever it is you're going through, it is not permanent, that is so many people who love and care about you and will 100% listen, mate, literally message me. I will gladly chat with anyone about it because it's life is so much better on the other side, 100%. Where can people find you? Um, Yeah, just message me on Instagram. It's, uh, it's Emily Mary is my app. Awesome. So, yeah. Don't message the other page, which you can plug as well briefly. Yeah, What's um, the other page? It's at Mary Bakes. So that's my baking account. Um, I need to get much better at posting because I haven't actually posted anything on it uh, since coming back from traveling. Uh, but yeah, so any wedding cakes, cupcakes, yeah. let me know. <laughs> awesome. Um, and guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I mentioned before, obviously, you can get involved with some of the listener questions over at mindsets underscore podcast on instagram it's the same uh social media handle for everywhere um i've tried to make it as easy as possible i also got fundamentally lucky with that um so do follow uh subscribe share like all of that means so much um and helps us to continue to grow and tell more interesting stories and get more interesting viewpoints and advice um so thank you very much again for tuning in Uh, i look forward to seeing you all in the next episode thank you